So in last week's Parsha, at the, towards the end, we have the story of B'nai Gad or B'nai Ruvain, the tribes of God and Ruvain, or Ruvain and God, where they wanted to settle in the Aver Hayardim without crossing the river. And the Medr says like this, And the Medr says, Sholosh Matonos God has created three gifts that he gives to people in the world. What are the... If you are Zoch, if you merit one of the three gifts, you basically have gotten an overview of all of them. Zocha b'chachma, the first gift is wisdom. Zocha b'chol. Zocha b'givura, strength, self-control, power. Zocha b'chol. Zocha b'osher, zocha b'chol. If you merit wealth, money, you've, you've gotten everything. So, that's... On the first, as soon as you see that, you right away have to sense, well, wait a minute. Two of these are more spiritual and one is materialistic. I'm putting them all together. A Masai, when do I say that if you get one, you are Zochem Bakol? Bizmanchein Matnos Shamayim, that they are received as gifts from heaven. Uboz Bekoach HaTorah. And they come through the power of Torah. Aval, Gvuroso Veosho Shalbosar Vadam, Enoklu. But the power the, strength, the, the physical strength, the emotional strength, and the monetary strength of a human being, if it just comes from human efforts, it's nothing. And it brings some proof texts. Uma, and then it includes, Ubantonos elu, these gifts, Bizman she'enan boin min sofan And if you don't get these gifts from God, then they're not going to last. They're not going to endure. All right, and then it brings uh, that that B'nai Gad and Beiruven they were very wealthy. They had lots of of sheep, and yet they were exiled from the land first because. And it says here a very strange language. <coughs> they didn't receive their gifts from God. <laughs> they grabbed them. So, again, the, uh, the, the commentaries all point out that um, the request for B'nai Gada B'nai Ruvain, there was an element of illegitimacy in it, even though it was not an unreasonable thing. They, they, were, they were shepherds. This land was perfect for flocks. There were some, there some elements of illegitimacy. And this language, Chotvin, that's a very strange concept when we talk about grabbing. So we're talking here about contrasting the resources coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as opposed to me grabbing them. If I grab them, that means they didn't come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, the, uh, the Sifzei Chaim uh, has a, a, a simple question. Right? How do you grab spiritual resources? I can understand grabbing money as opposed to having it come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, get there. So what does it mean to grab a resource? So money, I understand grabbing, right? Everybody wants to get rich quick, right? That's why we have all these get rich quick schemes, and everybody understands that um, 
if you're looking for shortcuts, I'll tell you in the financial world, there's no shortcuts. But what we're saying is that you want to get it from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not grab it. It's got to come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what it says there. What does it mean, Chotvin, Chachma, and Gvura, which are more, they're, they're Midos works, they're, they're, they're spiritual work. So one of the things you see here is that it's possible that there are shortcuts to wisdom. That there are short, shortcuts to gvura. That you can do it with a shortcut. I think that's today that's really what a lot of people are looking for. What's the, you know, what is the gula that I need? What is the quick way for me to access wisdom, to access good midos? So what it says, that's called chotfit. So it says in the Medrash that if you're chotef, it doesn't last. If you want a shortcut, well, what's your motivation? And you want a shortcut for money, what's your motivation? So it says in that Medrash that your goal has to be for Torah. <coughs> what does it mean that all of those matanos last if they're for Torah? Torah is for a purpose beyond yourself. When we want resources, we always have to ask ourselves, what, why do we want the resources? Do we want the resources for us, or do we want the resources for God? And if you want them for God, you won't grab. You'll take the resources that God gives you, because every person gets different resources. And grabbing indicates that you want it for you. When you grab money that God isn't necessarily giving you, it's not a matana from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, then why are you grabbing it? You must want it for yourself. There's a chiddish here. That when you want a shortcut to good midos, when you want a shortcut to wisdom, when you want a shortcut to gevura, you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for you. And therefore it can't last. We have to recognize that every resource that we have, the resource is given to us by God. If we recognize that, then of course the next question is, why did God give us those resources? What do we have them for? If you recognize matana, matana is a gift. If God gives us a gift... I, what did uh, Milton Friedman teach us? There's no free lunch. You got to work for it. That's the first thing. There's no shortcuts. You got to work. But even after you work, when you get it, it's still called a matana. And now you ask, why did God give me this matana? Why did God give this to me? So if you recognize that they're gifts from Hashem, you will always ask yourself, what purpose did I receive these gifts for? He gave them to you, but you have to ask why. <clears throat> and too often, what we always think about, and the Svasemis talks about this in a very deep way in Tefillah, too often what we're davening for is what we don't have. Well, why do you want what God didn't give you? So the Svasemes and the Sif Seichayim basically come together to say, it's a little, it's a little 
tricky. But if I'm davening for what I don't have, well, why do you want what God didn't give you? It must be for you. Because if you want it for what if you want it for God, well, God gives you what you need for God. So we have to say, we have to always take stock of our resources. Resources can mean money, resources can mean wisdom, resources can mean talents. So if I have these talents, I have to ask, where do they come from? Hopefully we recognize they came from Hashem. And why did he give them to me? The most obvious resource that we want to grab is money. And that's the most obvious one that we shouldn't be grabbing money. You know, we can justify for ourselves, I want to grab wisdom. The faster I can get the wisdom, the Chiddush here is you've got to work for it. But in money, it's pretty clear you got to, you, you can't just grab money. But there's a fascinating idea that always needs deep understanding. Mamonam tzadikim chavivin alehem mamonam yoser migufam. This is brought in when Yaakov Avinu goes back across the river for Pachim Ketanim, but it's mentioned in a few other places. Tzadikim, their money is is beloved to them more than their goof. She'en poshtim yoram begezo. Because they don't steal. Like, wait, oh, Yaakov was suspected of stealing, so we need to know that he's not a thief? Well, what, why is it that money is so precious to Tzadikim? So here's an insight. God gave you the money. What did you use it for? If you used money for something for which God did not give it to you, you're exactly like a businessman on a business trip with a company credit card and you go in to the store to buy personal items and put it on the company credit card. There's a word for that. It's called embezzlement. You're a thief. So, we can understand that when God gave you resources, He gave you money, He gave you wisdom, He gave you talents, and you don't use them for the purpose for which God gave them to you, well, then that means you're using them for your own agenda. That makes you a thief. Poshtim yaram begezel. You took God's resources that He gave you for a purpose, and you use them for a different agenda, for your agenda. So if you waste the resources, you frivolously wait, you don't take care of your money, you're also a thief. Because God gave it to you to utilize. And if you have that money and you're sloppy, and you're wasteful, then that's also thievery. The company gives you resources and you waste the resources. You've embezzled company resources. So we have to be very careful to analyze what are my resources that God gave me? What are my talents? 
Why did he give them to me? And make sure that you utilize them properly, both on a positive level and not to let them go to waste. When Bnei Gadav came to ask Moshe a lot of things to learn from that ex- from the exchange of Bnei Gadav Mikne Ruvain had a lot of sheep, and God was at Sumaot. Apparently, God, God was even wealthier than Reuven. And they saw the land. These are good places. That's the first introduction. So, the Kliyaka already zeroes in, as do other Mephorshim with other explanations. The Nitziv has one explanation, the, the, the Kliyak are a different one, but the question is the same. It opens with B'nei Ruvein. Mikne Rav Livnei Ruvein V'livnei Gad. And then it says, Vayavo B'nei Gadu B'nei Ruvein. Why did God... They started with Ruvein, and it's reasonable. Why should they start with Ruvein? Because Ruvein was the oldest. So why did God come first? So the the Kliyak, the, the, uh, the Nitziv says... That apparently God was richer than Ruvain. We see that because it's Miknerav Livnei Ruvain, Vilivnei Gad Atsum Maod. So the Kliyakor agrees with that. Kliyakor was obviously before the Nitziv. But he gives another take. Because Bnei Gad was much richer, they were more arrogant. And therefore they come first. Er- rich people are always arrogant and they always jump to the front. So there was already a bit of an impropriety here in it. Okay, and then they want to stay there. And look what Moshe says. So we all know the famous line where they want to say, we want to stay here, and Moshe responds. You're right, you're gonna, your brothers are going to go to war, and you're going to stay back. Everybody understands that problem. But Moshe Rabbeinu goes ballistic for a whole different reason. Ko'asu you're for, you're, 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 the, the earlier generation did exactly what you're doing. What was that? That they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael, they wanted to stay here. Well, first of all, like, wh- why is that? What does that have to do with the Miraglim? What, is it, what does the Miraglim's sin have to do with what B'nai Gara B'nai Ruin are doing? I understand the sin, you don't, you don't want to go to war, you want your brothers to fight for you. But what was the mention of the Miraglim here? That, that's when you read the psukim. You see that seems to be one of the things Moshe Rabbeinu is going ballistic over. Says Rav Goldich that their claim was: we are shepherds, we have flocks, Eretz Miknehi. 
and therefore they want to stay there because this is a place where we will be able to do our profession with very little physical work. A shepherd, if he has good grazing land, doesn't have to do a lot. Just tends the sheep. And says Rav Goldich, they were falling into exactly the same trap that the Miraglid fell into. The desert was a spiritual nirvana. Everything taken care of. Very little physical work. No physical work was necessary. The Miraglin saw Eretz Yisrael. All of a sudden the challenges, because we're out of a spiritual environment, the challenges become much greater. And B'nai Garu B'nai Reuven says Rav Goldvicht, they wanted minimizing the spiritual challenges by minimizing their interaction with the physical world. And being Be'evra with all that good graze land would have done that. That's Rav Goldvicht says the connection, why Moshe Rabbeinu brings in the Miraglin. Again, you have resources, but you have to ask, why did God give you those resources? You have, it's there to do work with the resources. You have to work. You have to have a challenge. You have to be overcoming the challenge. Which leads us to this coming week's Parsha. I mean, this is the week we catch up with Chutzlarts, or as you say, Chutzlarts catches up with us. Matos Masa. Usually they're always read together. Okay, but we're right in the middle between Matos and Masa. So there's a very famous, very important section in the Nesiva Sholom on Parshas Masse, built on the Kabbalistic discussions. If you look at the psukim at the beginning of Parshas Masse, it lists 42 travels. And the number 42, Membez, has a very lots of Kabbalistic significance. But the question is, why in the world is this in the Torah? What difference does it make to us? The Torah only writes things that have relevance to us eternally. What relevance is there to us that they that they went from this place to that place? Right? Ve'isu mimara yavo elima. Right? Ve'isu miyamsuf yachnu b'vidvarsin. Yisu miyamsuf yachnu b'dovka. Over and over. Who cares? So... The Nesiba Shalom brings in on the, the Arizal this idea of Mem Bet Masaot. 42 tra- travels. A Masa means a travel and a camping. So he says every Jew and every point in history, the nation is always going through 42 challenges. And every person throughout their life is confronted with Mem Bet Masaot. A Masa is a travel which leads you to a new place. And every new place is a new challenge. You came to yeshiva, that was a masa. That's a new challenge. You didn't have that challenge in university or on Wall Street. And when you leave yeshiva, you're going to go to a new masa where it's going to be a different challenge. And even within it, because every day has new challenges. And every situation has new challenges. And the point is, is that the entire history of the Jewish people our, tra- our travelings and the and the history of every individual is mem bet masaot. You're always traveling. You're always confronting new situations. And there are two other aspects he adds. So one of the things it says is that it tells you they traveled. 
Vayisu, Vayahanu. Vayisu from here, Vayahanu there. Vayisu from here, Vayahanu there. It could have just said they, they traveled from place X, and then they traveled from place Y, and I would have known myself that they obviously had to camp. If they traveled from a new place, they must have camped. Says the Nesiva Shalom, when you have confronted with a new situation, that's a time for growth. It's a challenge. You're going to overcome the challenge. You're going to rise to a new level. But then there needs to be vayachadu. You have to stop and consolidate. You can't always be in motion. You can't always be just going up, 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 up. Sometimes part of the growth is to reach a stage and consolidate. This goes back to not rushing. You've got to work. And part of work is to overcome a challenge, see the, re- the situation you're in, what does God want me to do with the resources He gave me? I'm going to succeed, but then i got to make sure it becomes incorporated. It becomes part and parcel of me. That's a vayisu and a vayachanu. You've got to move, but then when you move to a new level, you've got to make sure that it's stable. Because one of the things we know is that if you keep running, 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 you're going up a ladder and you want to get up the ladder fast, well, what can frequently happen is you just fall down. And that's where Vesol Salanter talks about how every step has to be taken. You have to take slow steps. What the Nesiva Sholem is adding is that not only do you take slow steps, but if you want to get the metaphor of a ladder, so you can climb up the ladder, you know, put one foot on one rung and then put the next foot on the next rung. That's okay. But sometimes, you know, when you're in a very difficult situation or it's hard to walk, you take one step up and you put both feet on the rung. Before you go to the next step, you make sure both feet are solid on the rung that you're on and then you go to the next rung. That's Vayisu Vayachanu. But the Nesiva Sholem says another thing. There's always Vayisu Vayachanu, Vayisu Vayachanu. He says, the worst thing a Jew can do is have Vayisu, you got somewhere, Vayachanu, and you're very happy. I'm very happy where I am. I reached a level. I'm comfortable at this level. You lost ambition. You lost aspiration. Somehow or other in money, when people earn a lot of money, they say, oh, I earned money. I'm very happy where I am now. I don't need to try to earn more money. It doesn't work like that. In spiritual growth, you can't be satisfied with where you are. You always have to be, after Rabbi Yachanu, I've consolidated where I am. You're never allowed to be happy where you are. You always have to say, okay, what's my next challenge? And that's the Membet Masos, says the Nesiva Sholom. That's the Membet, based on the Arizal. Every Jew is constantly in motion with new challenges. You've got to rise to the challenge, succeed, and consolidate. And then he says another thing. It talks in the Torah. It talks about how, in certain places during the forty years in the desert, they spent lots of time in one place, and other places they spent a very little amount of time. Says the Nesiva Shalom, that's teaching you that sometimes a trip is you're there, and yet consolidation takes a long time. Sometimes you have to work very hard in one place. You can't always be going to a new place. And again, there's some people that are always always in a rush. Wherever they are, they always want to be in the next place. And that's a recipe for failure. That's part of the Yetzirah. 
See, the Yetzir Hara always has to dress up as the Yetzir Tov. The Yetzir Hara can never come knocking on the door. The big bad wolf never came knocking on the door. Knock, knock, who's there? The big bad wolf, please let me in. No, it doesn't work like that. Goldilocks would not let him in. Knock, knock, who's there? Grandma. Because the big bad wolf had to dress up as grandma. Knock, knock, who's there? The Yetzir Hara is here. Let's go party on Shabbos and do this. I hope each of you guys are not going to let him in. Because he came knocking on the door and he's easily identifiable as the Yetzir Hara. So therefore the Yetzir Hara has to come, knock, knock, who's there? The Yetzir Tov. So how does the Yetzir Tov get you? So sometimes the Yetzir Tov can get you by getting you to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning learning. That sounds like the Yetzir Tov. But no, because you're not going to wake up for davening the next morning. So the Yetzir Tov, Yetzir Hara dresses up as the Yetzir Tov, and he, so some people, so, so for some people who, they're, you know, I, I don't want to move too fast, I don't want to overdo it. So the, yeah, right, you know what? This level, it needs to take you you know what? You're not driving on Shabbos. You're walking to shul. You're still using your phone. You got to work on that for five years. Another five years will come back. Got to go slow. Can't rush things. Okay. Or well, okay. So hopefully you realize. No, no. I don't need that much. So then, oh no. So you got to do this and this and this and this. Fast, fast, fast. Do more. Do more. Do more. When you're not ready for it, so you just crash. So there are certain masaot that need a long time. And that's why the Jewish people spent a long time encamped in certain places. And there are other places where no, no, quick, you go, you're there, you camp, you do, you're Vayisu, Vayachnu, Vayisu, Vayachnu, that it, you gotta know, you gotta identify, you gotta think. You gotta always ask, what's my challenge at this point? What are the resources? Being in yeshiva is a resource, having a job is a resource, having a family is a resource. Okay, what am I doing with those resources? What does God want me to do with those resources? Am I taking those resources for me? That's chotfin. Or am I taking it for God? And that's the that's what the Medrash says, for the Torah. The Torah means for the ideal, for the reason. For the reason. So you need to take stock of the resources. You have to appreciate where they came from. And you have to ask yourself, what does God want me to do with these resources? And then you have to make sure that that's what you're using them for. Because otherwise, you have not properly utilized them. If you're using them for yourself, that's called chotvin. It's for you. The resources aren't for you. The resources are there for service. And that's what the Medrash teaches us, is that B'nai Garu B'nai Ruvain, their, 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 their uh, impropriety was that they weren't right away thinking, what can I do with these resources to serve God? And this is what Rav Goldvig's Chiddush is. They wanted it to be easy and good for them. It's too often we want, we want the spiritual, we want chotfin. We want the spirituality to come easy, we don't want to work. And we have to ask ourselves, God puts us in this world to work. We have to ask ourselves, what's the work? What's the challenge? What are the resources I have? How am I utilizing those resources?
you have to always be aware of the process by which you're acquiring the resources legitimately, honestly for money or dishonestly in spiritual resources. I want it quick. I don't want to put in all the time and effort. So that's a violation of process. And after you've identified, okay, I'm aligning myself with the process in a proper way, now what's the purpose? What's the purpose for which I have these resources? And that says the Medrash, when you have those, then any one of the resources opens up the door for everything. And they're stable, they're long-lasting. And that's the promise HaKadosh Baruch is giving you, is that not everybody has everything, but if the resources you have are used for the right reason... For you, that's everything.